We, we should just call this Claire says in one line what Matt spends half an hour trying to explain <laughs> um, segment. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt is dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they're proud sponsors of Brews News. And in particular, Brews News Week, which is this, our regular wrap-up of all that has made news in beer this week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me to take a good hard look at the news, the views and the issues are the founder and editor of Australian Brews News, uh, Matt Kierkegaard and ace reporter and senior journalist Claire Burnett. G'day, guys. Morning, Pete. Morning, Pete. How do we find you this fine... It's a bit damp down here, but uh, Cup Day was an absolute spanker given that we were nominally allowed to leave our cages and it was 30 degrees and then 24 degrees and then it just rained all day yesterday. <laughs> well, well, that's so, Melbourne. I mean, you, yeah. you just basically described Melbourne. I'm, 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 I'm exactly. Sur- yeah. I'm, I'm Is sur- it true that you get a day off? Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Always, uh, well, it's it's one of the longest gazetted public holidays. I think yeah. probably Australia it's... Day might be slightly longer as a a gazetted mm-hmm. or, uh, or as a state public holiday. I think Cup, Cup Day probably. Oh, it goes back to eighteen eighteen eighty seven or something. That's like that. crazy. That's the only reason yeah. Australia's kept the Queen for so long because you get loads of holidays off for a birthday. We don't even get well, one. I told you this. We, we don't even get one in England. But you have I'll bank tell you holidays. What, in, a, in a hot in a hot second, we would swap Queen's birthday holiday for uh, August the first, which is the um, which is racehorses' birthday. <laughs> Race so that's, that's the way Australians birthday. are. Uh, but yeah, no, we, we didn't. Get on two flies crawling up a wall, as the old uh, expression goes. And not that I'm uh, here to toot my own trumpet, but did tip four winners. Well, uh, the, days, Bruce, the, the rest of the Bruce News team barely even marked. Like, we didn't even know there was a horse race on. Nah, not um, our cup of tea, that We baby. just lost a, uh, yeah, no phone calls or emails for two it's hours. quite nice. We'll have um, a little so break. So, very productive. And <laughs> we got loads done. So, the team are having an early mark on Friday afternoon. Because it's, it's not fair when, you know, every office in Australia stops for the cup and we were working through. The powerhouse it is Australian Bruce News. So hang on, so... Just let me get this straight. So the Bruce News office team are getting Friday afternoon off mm. because they didn't stop for one minute, 24 seconds while the cup was being run. <laughs> oh, but it's never. Are you fair it's to know? a whole afternoon. You know it, but, Pete. Yeah, like no office Can I buy only stops. For... If, that's, if that's your idea. No of, office uh, you know. only <laughs> stops for, an, uh, you know, the three minutes, 50 or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, it's it's you've, you've got the ridiculous hat. You've got the person who's walking around um, <laughs> doing the sweeps. You've got everyone sort of planning, you know, lunch and things like that. Yeah. And it's, so no, no work gets done. No, absolutely. And so I'll acknowledge that and thank my team because they probably got more done in that two hours than they would have, <laughs> um, you know. Right. Yeah. And for all our listeners out there keen to, uh, to find out what happens on um, knockoff day, uh, on a on a Friday in the Bruce News office, just uh, there will be a live stream. <laughs> the, uh, plastic cup snakes and uh, hollowed out watermelon heads. Hats. There's no way I'll be recording that. Yeah, uh, well, uh, it's <laughs> and, be, and they'll be skull and white claws. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> as is the way when you own the business, I'll be working because somebody has to be oh. here to answer the calls. I know, you know it's really bad for we, you. We, we, You're we working do have on Fridays, well, aren't you? Operators here awaiting your call, dear listener. <laughs> Matt Kirkyard, as always, taking one for the time. <laughs> yeah. He is which a good is just, not. Which is code for I have no social life. Uh, <laughs> well, not that far off. Uh, but anyway, anyway um, <laughs> news. And that was said with love. <laughs> he needs you to come up, that's why.
Yeah, let's cross now live to the Australian Brews News and Media Centre for a wrap-up of stories making news in beer this week. And Claire, what do we begin with? We're beginning... Is it an anniversary? It is. It's a biggie. It's a decade. What is now the Independent Brewers Association are uh, 10 years in the game. So Matt actually spotted this one. On the 2nd of November 2011, an email was sent out announcing the launch of Craft Beer Limited, a national association for the benefit of the craft brewing industry. And it's been through loads of iterations. (laughs) So anyone going... Craft Beer Limited, what's what that? It was the working, it's like a working title for a film, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's, or, but yeah, it just sort of sounds like a, like a business. And, and I, I remember when it first came out, Craft Beer Limited, what's this Craft Beer Limited? But that's all part of the story because go read it. Like it, it was a really, really hard story to write because you're writing a story about an industry that's not even celebrating its own anniversary. Um, and if you look at the photo, the people around the room, it's now the independence movement. Owen Johnson, who was at the the, the working committee now, works for HPA. Um, you know, Brendan Barris is by and large out of the industry. Um, yep. <laughs> the Bruce great Pinchy. irony of the photo. So when, when you look at the photo, just for for listeners, you know, this give, give, give us a look. Look. how small right, that table is. You took you took the photo. I took the photo, so I'm not in it. But you, there's Jamie Cook, who was Stone and Wood. Uh, David Cry, who was then Cry Malt. You know. Um, You've then got Bruce Peachy, who was brewing for Vale Ale, because you've also got um, Adam Tripp-Smith, but Bruce Peachy had been a long-term collaborator with a number of brands, and so you knew, knew the industry. Legend in the industry. Brendan Varis um, from Ferrell, who you know still independent. Owen Johnson, uh, Moo Brew, uh, and then a lady by the name of Sarah Malecki, who was working for um, Vale and was there as the sort of um, recordist um, of it all. And so when you look at that group... And that association that initially included the big brewers but is now the independence movement. You've got Jamie Cook, sold recently. You've got David Cryer, who you know was there as an observer um, and is still an industry uh, champion. Um, you've got Bruce Peachy, and Bruce is still popping up in media releases these days. You've got Brendan Varis, who was uh, a champion leading light of the independence industry, um, sold and is now by and large out of the industry. Um, you've got Brad Rogers, Stonewood, um, Owen Johnson, who's now sales marketing manager for HPA. So uh, again, still heavily in the industry, but out of brewing. And then Adam Tripp Smith, who, you know, at that stage, Vale was a contract brand, you know, a very effective marketing brand, and you had the people in the purity of the day going, you know, what are you doing, you know, being part of this, you know, you're not even a real brewer kind of thing. <laughs> and if you look at that group, he's the only person in that room that still counts as you know, a member of the IBA um, through white Bay, um, which he founded. So he's gone the full circle. And Convoy. And, well, is he, but, is- yeah, so he's the, the, the guy who was looked askance on by the purists in the industry for not being a real brewer is the only person who is currently in the industry as a... Still qualified to sit at the table. A, as a brewery owner with a 25% share of, of white bait. upstairs at that pub that Matt can't remember the name of, um, sitting at that table going, well, it's just me now. I will <laughs> dig it out. <laughs> it does look a bit mafia-esque with the white tablecloths. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, look, it, it was, and it, it was fascinating. And, and, you know, like this is a little bit below the fold in, in, in a sense, um, going into it in depth. But it was a little bit sad that the IBA, what is now the IBA, has gone through many, so many changes. It's gone through so... Um, Dave Benighton was there, actually. I just realised that he's not oh, yeah. um, pictured, so I'm not sure there are other photos that he was there. So maybe he was up um, 
Uh, it was his shout. Or, or, he was or something. at the bar. But yeah. again, mountain goat sold. And the, the industry, when, when you just in the, the very quick documenting of the major milestones or the, the, the upheavals that the industry went through, they launched on the 2nd of November 2011 under the name Craft Beer Limited because they'd been out consulting as the Australian Craft Brewers Association and then a splinter group that called itself the Australian Real Craft Brewers Association. I was loving all this drama. Oh, yeah. Didn't realise it was so contentious to start Not only did they say, look, we're we're not going to join you because you've got the big brewers in, but we're going to torpedo you by registering the name that you were going to go under and deny you of that and simultaneously launch the Australian Real Craft Brewers Association, which is ARCBA, um, and so they had no, to come no up. photos of their meetings. <laughs> well, <laughs> were you not invited, Matt? <laughs> I don't know if they ever actually met. There was a group, a loose configuration. I don't think they ever had, um, you know, financial dues or anything like that. You know, it was a special offer if you join us now for free. Mm-hmm. And you know, like the not dismissing their passion. And there were a lot of heated discussions in the early. You know, not you know, there was a lot of robust discussion and disagreement about whether it should be independent small brewers, even though it wasn't called the independents, or whether the big brewers were in and. The, the 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 thinking early on was, you know, craft beer wasn't even settled in the consumer's mind. We didn't even know what craft beer was. We were discussing what craft beer was, and the there was still think- plenty calling it boutique or um, micro or all yeah. those other terms that they, all they knew what it wasn't Carlton Draft. Yeah. Now bear, bear in mind, this is ten years after, uh, or yeah, ten years after Little Creatures launched, or eleven yeah. years. Um, so. It wasn't an, a new industry, but it was still a very, very, very fledgling industry. Um, I think there were 100 potential brewery members at that stage. Um, but the, the the discussion was around how do we get the resources? How do we, you know, we can't just expect people who are running breweries that are very short-staffed anyway to run this association as well. We need it to be professionally run. We need, you know, paid people doing it. And where does that come from? And, you know, the, the, the decision was made, you know, we, we need to be a body that talks about craft beer, not marketing the business status of individual brewers at the time. And, you know, look, I, I was at that stage on the opposite side of that argument, which is ironic given the way that that's all transpired. But it was, it, you know, all credit to the steering committee that's represented there, the very first board of, um, that, that's referred to in the article, which was the steering committee at launch, because it was still a steering committee where they launched it, they were hoping to get members. It was Brad Rogers, Jamie Cook, Brendan Virus, Dave Benighton, Miles Hull from Little Creatures when they brought um, Little Creatures in, and Little Creatures hadn't sold at that stage i don't think pete i think it was 2012 that little creatures it didn't sell till 2012 yeah so so they were still yeah, April less than you know whatever their ownership was owen johnson bruce peachy and adam trip smith you know congratulations and you know it was, it was a little bit of a shame i thought that the industry for whatever reason and i don't know that you know the, but the iba wasn't aware of the, the meeting because they've had such a change at hops a, a change so a change of staff a change of focus you know there's been so much going on but the people that worked really 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 hard off their own bat because there was no one to support and encourage them in that stage they just saw the need for it and they were shit canned by um people sort of saying you're not real ostensibly their own yeah so anyway so yeah yeah, we marked it. it it passed 
I mean, I say in the article, um, largely unnoticed. It was completely unnoticed um, because even when I wrote to some of the people in the photo, you know, they go, oh, was that today? Um, Which is a shame because the the industry shouldn't just be marking the glossy milestones, Um, you know, the the, the ones that are hard. They should be marketing some, you know, making some really important ones like this, I think. Just before we jump back into the news, is there are there plans for you know when interstate travel and borders are restrictions are lifted and that sort of thing that there is there a some sort of celebrate or, or well, would it just I, be noted, I, again uh, maybe at BrewCon or something? But I, I I think it was after we talked about the early days of the IBA on a podcast about two years ago that I thought oh gee I wonder when it is and so I dived into the emails um, to find out. And found it. And I, I know that at that stage, you know, so two years ago, like I just threw it in the diary thinking, you know, this is something that we'll want to bring up at a later date. And I can't now remember whether I spoke to Alexis when she was director um, or Kylie in the early days of her being the um, CEO. CEO. But again, it was right at the start of her um, tenure, but tenure. Wh- whoever said you know sort of had indicated that they were aware um, of it of it coming up. So uh, again, it was an informal chat that I had, and I was told that they were aware. So I just sort of parked it for our own thing, and then when my bring up systems have said, "Oh, look, you know, in two days' time, you've got," and I just reached out, said, "Oh, did you know that this is the case?" However, it had passed, so I don't think they were even aware to have a plan, what the plan will be now. But you know. In a way, it's a little bit like when your birthday falls on Christmas um, or, or, or something like that or, you know, when you're away or you're sick you know, having your birthday later. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's never quite the same. No, no. But anyway, well, yeah, congratulations to everyone. Yeah. that and, 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 you know, it's, I don't think the IBA has ever been stronger than it is now and congratulations for that. Exactly. And now to name check two of the people who are at that table with our next two stories. First of all, we begin with a confirmation of, you heard it here first last week, uh, but Coca-Cola are to exit beer in Australia and sell feral, Claire. <laughs> well, we talked about it first. They probably heard it after because uh, it didn't yeah, go to the podcast the, Oh, channel. yeah, because it came out later. But everybody knew that we talked about it first. Well, we, we still got the story out yeah, first. So that's it. Yeah, Despite that's it. Coca-Cola's best attempts oh, to... Oh, uh, that was a struggle and a half, wasn't it? So anyway, obviously we heard the news. We sort of bandied about a few ideas about what we were thinking, who it might sell to, etc. But obviously we found out, um, and it was confirmed later that day, that uh, Coca-Cola are going to sell Feral, but they don't have a currently have a buyer and is looking for uh, looking for expressions of interest. I think there's a few interesting points to make. Obviously, they sold the brew pub very recently, considering they're wanting to sell the business. We, Matt and I were meant talking Pre- about presumably it Presumably when they knew they were going to sell the business. Yeah, surely they do. Well, I mean... <laughs> why would you do so that? Why do you, sell, so why do you sell it? Let, I mean, let, let, yeah, let, 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 let's look at that. A little bit more discussion of the news than we like to do in the, the news headlines, mm. but it's it's still very germane. Um, it's not a rabbit hole, I don't think. Um yeah. You'd think that a business with the multinational you know, experience and things of Coca-Cola, Euro-Pacific Partners, plans these things in advance. They talk about a strategic review, all of these sorts of things. So a strategic review of their operations, their brewing operations in Australia and presumably the rest of the region was underway. Despite that, somebody has gone, oh, look, you know, it's not really working out. Let's flog that off. Either the, the, they, they had the decision of the review and they've decided they're going to sell it 
and then they've just decided to sell the the, the close the brew pub off, you know, close the brew pub down. Weird. I think they they initially announced they were going to close it rather than sell it, but yes, and then I believe original owner was it Alistair? Uh, it's on the Crafty it Pint, um, yeah, so, yeah. so 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 they wrote about that. Um, go, go see it if you haven't already. Um, the yeah, um, talked about it. But you're still thinking, yeah. well, what sort of business minds are they? Because if you're going to sell off Feral, surely having that original place that Feral started would be an asset as opposed to a liability. Like, if you, sure, if you're running your own business and it's not making money, it's a liability. Mm-hmm. But if you're selling it off to somebody else, the place that that brand was formed that you still own is an asset yeah. that they can decide, well, look, it's not making any money. We yeah. just want the brewing operations. We just want the brand. It just... Uh, it, it, it was a very... And I, I thought I thought Coca-Cola was supposed to be a real sophisticated, strategizing type of company. But actually, in the way we dealt with them... Thank you for saying it better than I did. And <laughs> in, the, in how we were dealt how we dealt with them and how they dealt with us was odd and then obviously the strategy behind the brew pub was odd and I was like you guys like what are you doing I don't know I don't know enough about Coca-Cola obviously they're a little bit out of our ballpark usually apart from obviously the feral connection um but the way they have dealt with this so strange it's because again we we reached out to them we we had the story cold we knew it was selling we had the gist of the story and then you just do the journalistically decent thing do you have any comment and rather we we got in touch with loads of them as well like i emailed two of them called three of them texted one of them like they they had ample opportunity to reply i said look we're (laughs) going to do a story and then didn't even reply didn't even acknowledge our email didn't say look your release will be going out later because they wanted to torpedo our story or have it control the story which is just so weird and it encourages bad journalism and i swear we've never done anything to coca-cola before like i swear we have anyway but but that's (laughs) a little bit of inside baseball so we, we we held off and they then sent out their release, fortunately, just as we'd sort yeah, of, uh, like five minutes after we'd public press published and posted it to all our socials and stuff, and then they sent it when out. When they clearly <laughs> weren't even going to acknowledge. But anyway, um, oh, but yeah, but, it, it, but the, the way that they have gone about this just shows that they one of the reasons why Feral hasn't prospered in the marketplace. You know, I, I think Feral isn't a tarnished brand in, in the industry. It's still got a very strong brand. The beer quality is, is, is up as strongly as it's always been, it's much loved in WA, but it's barely heard heard from on the west, you know, outside of social media circles. Yep. Purely because if this is how Coke operates, their head is so far up their ass <laughs> that it's not surprising that they haven't done it. Um, you know, again, it's a, it's a little thing. Why would you buy a brewery and then mismanage it so badly? And I think when you look at they just they just don't know. Which mm-hmm. incidentally is one of the criticisms of that has always been of the, the big operations versus the small, dynamic, passionate, engaged, um, you know, brewery owner telling his own story um, that whenever you see these big operations come in. But Coke, certainly their narrative, whenever Bruce New spoke to them over the last couple of years since the sale, oh, you know, we're going to nurture this brand, we're going to love it, mm-hmm. it's going to, you know, and it just hasn't. So It's an interesting contrast to how we've, been dealing with Lion and CUB recently I think they're being much more transparent in the way they deal with the media and us particularly and absolute kudos to them Coca-Cola seemed to be stuck 20 years ago and just haven't figured out that you know being a bit more honest about it is gonna be better for them in the long run but whatever they're out they're leaving we'll see them later Good riddance. Don't let the saloon door hit you on the ass as you leave. 
<laughs> you know, you bottlers oh, of funny. cheap, sweet uh, syrup. <laughs> oh, anyway. my God, we don't sound bitter at all, do we? Oh, no, but it, like, again, it's just one of those things. We, you know, we, 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 you know, I think Lion and CUB have in many ways changed the way that they do business and the attention that they give to nurturing brands um, in, a, in a very, very positive way. They've learned. Um, this just shows that there was a corporate hubris or arrogance um, within a big company that they were just the wrong people to try and nurture nurture a brand. Speaking of big companies that are not arrogant in any way, <laughs> Convoy raises $30 million to fund expansion, Claire. They have indeed. So Convoy... <laughs> Of the aforementioned Adam Tripsmith, um, just gone from strength to strength recently in the past couple of years. I can't believe I spoke to him, I think 2019, when I spoke to Adam when it launched, and it just has accelerated so much. Um, so, yep, they've done a Series D, $30 million raise, um, combination of equity and convertible notes. The funds will accelerate Convoy's international expansion uh, and an anticipated launch of Catch, which is their uh, tracking and monitoring um, Internet of Things solution uh, in the Northern Hemisphere. So bloody congratulations to them. That's amazing. That's so impressive. Um, and just shows, you know, how strong it is as a business and um, the potential that Convoy has uh, worldwide, I guess. Yeah, and interesting. I, I didn't know they had Catch. Um, yes, I didn't know it was called Catch. I remember speaking about that um, technology quite a while ago now, but um, it took a little while to get it off the ground, I think, as to be expected. Um, lots of tweaks to make and things like that. But now now they've got it they've nailed it and they're expanding it so and rolling it out so yeah good on them yeah what, what was your line pete uh, about ats just sort of fishing some money out from behind the seat so clearly we were starting to 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 sort of see what sort of uh, um yeah, yeah. Put the hand <laughs> in the back of the couch money, oh, money falling out enough. of his pockets when he's going for his <laughs> chewing gum kind of thing uh, but yeah clearly we, we, we 30 million dollars is is outside of his uh his reach but uh yeah, yeah it's very not exciting couch change is it <laughs> No, the boy's done well. Speaking of doing well, not quite in the 30 million league, but uh, 5.8 million raised by Mighty Craft. Yes, so this was an interesting one. Now, we discussed the Mighty Craft's quarterlies last week. They'd obviously made a loss, which is partially to be expected on account of COVID and lots of their venues closing down, making some interesting moves strategy-wise in relation to selling venues and um, either they're up for sale or selling them and then the lease back for uh, Jetty Road, for instance. Um, But then we also mentioned that they were in a trading halt and it seemed like such a coincidence because that we'd obviously heard about the feral uh, news and then Minecraft doing a trading halt, completely unconnected, Total coincidence, um, the trading halt was related to a 5.8 million share placement that Mighty Craft were doing. Um, funds are going to be used to accelerate the company's whiskey strategy, which they did a nice shiny brochure about, and then also replace working capital funds due to impacts from lockdown. So I think that's probably a big section of that money is going to go towards working capital obviously just kind of tells you how much of a struggle it has been um even for a company like mighty craft but we'll see how they get along they're always an interesting one to follow uh and yeah they've obviously got some big names behind them some experienced people behind them um but it's it just shows how, how difficult a market is it's a hard times we've all had it rough and um we're seeing it in people's quarterlies and um their strategies going forward as well we love interest. I, I, I keep catching myself over and over again when we're writing the the intros to um, Beers of Conversations or when we talk about you know, the things that are interesting in this industry are just what captivate us. And Minecraft is just 
endlessly interesting when it's a new business model they're trying to not own but activate um you, you know go back and listen to some of the chats i've had with mark hazeman but you know it, it's not a new business anymore um you know it, it, it's publicly listed they have to put their documents out but and, and, and to some extent covid is masking any hospitality based strategy you know it's not really giving a true indication of what how their strategy would have played out but for a global plague yeah look it's just it's just interesting to see that they're they're not racing ahead you know it's it's well resourced um and i think we did think that at the start i'm sure and when you see like you say when you see a nice shiny new business and they're doing something different you're like oh this could be really cool this could be really exciting and then the realities of working in this market and in this country and all these issues sort of uh yeah start to impact them so we'll see what they do going forward but and and yes they did a capital raise last week Mm -hmm. um that was about building up their whiskey stock so you know when you look at their revenue they seem to be making a lot of like their growth that they were very loud talking Mm up was coming from their acquisition of Adelaide Hills, which yep. is the mismatch, the Hillsider, which seems to be a very strong brand that's going ahead. The breweries... That, that included listening. distillery, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yep, uh, Adelaide, yeah Adelaide Hills Distillery. distillery. Yep. Oh, sorry. Um, I thought and, and, yeah, and so they did a capital is raise. Is Adelaide Hillsider the same thing then? I think they're all a part of the same group. Well, it's Hillsider, because oh, it it's Hillsider, it's Hillsider oh, I think Hills. it's called. Oh, yeah, okay, Hills. and Adelaide Hills, they're still, okay, got it. Yeah. That's, yep. what, that's where I'm getting confused. So, so, so it's the group, and then they've got that nice hospitality operation in a nice part of the world and everything. And so that was where, funnily enough, I'd, I'd heard rumours that at, just before they announced that sale that maybe they were going to buy um, Tribe, you know, which is or, or something like that, which seemed mm. to make sense given... If any of their craft beer brands grow, they don't have an existing facility mm-hmm. that their brands can yeah. be produced. And they don't at want scaling. to have to expand every single facility as the brewery grows. They want maybe a centralised one. It's like which child gets new clothes this year, <laughs> yes, and you know, exactly. and then who has to sort of wear you know the, the hand me downs and you know like all, all of that, which is one of the things about the strategy that was always a little bit interesting to watch. So, and don't have any answers to that. Um, you know, a lot of s- smart industry people in the industry, but. As we've seen, smart doesn't necessarily overcome all obstacles, even if you're doing it a different way. So, we there's, keep a, there's a theme brief. emerging from a few stories that we've had so far, and it's that old adage that if you want to get something done, ask a busy person, ask somebody who's got so much on their plate because they get stuff done. And I think it's there's a there's a theory too. I, I think you've got to have a motor, and people who get things done are just those people who just they just they've just got the motor and. Um, Mighty Craft, Convoy, these sort of, you know, uh, real, and it's almost the polar opposite, I guess, of, of Coca-Cola. Um, <laughs> oh, they're, they're very good I mean? at what like they do. I think yeah. there's, some, there's something in some people that just, like passion will only get you so far. Um, and passion's great if you've got a hobby or whatever and if you can use passion. But at the end of the day, passion doesn't pay the bills. If you've got to turn that into into hard work. So you, you, you've got to have that, um, you've, got to have a, you've got to have the pump. Yeah, and look, I had this conversation, you know, launching a brand, and it, it, it goes back to the, the Stone and Wood chat that we had, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that, you know, you start telling a story to the five people, you know, metaphorically, who know you. But then when your brand grows a little bit, your story needs to expand to, you know, people that don't necessarily know you because, mm. 
it's less relevant to you know the, the further out you go and that's what we've seen with a whole lot of craft breweries that you know I, I honestly think that the unless the market for independent craft beer drinking people who are engaged in what the brewer's middle name is um, grows and that's very very hard to do craft beer is a finite you know craft beer drinkers passionate engaged craft beer drinkers are a finite resource and everybody's trying to mine that same resource and to some extent the more they do that the 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 the, the broader that group becomes but it's growing much more slowly than it did 10 20 years ago so the brands that are succeeding are you know surpassing that audience they're surpassing the people that know you you're a brand that stands out in the marketplace for people that have heard about craft beer but to them it's really a premium for it's almost what the international premiums were or the domestic premiums were you know they don't necessarily want to drink vastly differently the gold foil on the top of the yeah they just see the the beers as a new style of beer um that needs to engage them on a whole different level to keep that growth into the mainstream your brand needs to resonate on a different level whilst not alienating the people that got you started and that was where i said that i don't think i think stone and wood probably had the capacity to do that and that was clearly where their thinking around being a, um, a conscious business was leading them but they'd never actually separated themselves from the independence and you know you, you see around the world that the, the brands that are plateauing sierra nevada is probably the one that more than any brand around the world seems to have kept the growth tra- trajectory, kept the faith with the people that got it there, but is now transcending craft beer to, to an extent and you know, going into aligned beverages at the same time without hurting its main brand, um, which is fascinating. Last one before we jump below the fold, Claire. Um, <laughs> you mean we have middle ground, <laughs> in air quotes, uh, for you... Queensland takeaway proposals. Yes, Pete. So you may remember. So this is a change to the original that we, we yeah. talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I was going to say, you might remember that we were discussing this because there were proposals um, about takeaways from takeaway alcohol and restaurants and cafes had been allowed to do this. They'd been allowed to offer takeaway alcohol throughout the COVID period. And then proposals were made that excluded beer uh, and premixed spirits. There was an a bit of a hullabaloo about it, I'll not lie. Uh, so one of the, uh, if you'll remember, Pete, I think we had a chuckle about it, was that uh, a criticism of beer was that it had a higher ABV, potentially, and the sort of subtext was higher ABV than wine. Uh, interestingly... There's been a parliamentary review committee who's had a look at these proposals again and has actually recommended, uh, thankfully, a middle ground. Uh, So I believe cooler heads have prevailed on this one. Um, Basically, they're suggesting that obviously beer, cider and premixed drinks are included, but they knock that down to 1.5 litres. So a smaller amount than was allowed before. I think it was two point two five liters. Uh, so some interest, and it was interesting to go through all the um, sort of stakeholder commentary and things like that. Um, people were very vehemently against it. Obviously, as you would expect um, from the IBA and a few individual brewers and things like that. And then, as you'd expect, uh, Queensland hotels are very anti it. Um, but it, much more um, moderated this committee review than than the previous proposals. So we're hoping this is, as I say, this is just a proposal, but we're hoping that the Attorney General will uh, agree that this is a little bit more of a reasonable option and uh, hopefully pass this one, but we'll give you a little update when that happens. Yeah, and as with everything else, if you're an adult and you're allowed to buy beer or whatever, then be an adult and just make responsible 
choices. Like yeah. don't go out and, you know, get six bottles of, you know, 15% ABV wine or, um, you know. Funnily enough, and we'll come back to that in Below the Fold. There's a story I want to talk about that because the, the, the people that are ruining it for the rest of us um, is, is something I'd like to talk about, Pete. Jot that down. I've got one too that's, that's come up during the discussion. I want to get your uh, question without notice and just get, get your uh, gut feelings. Okay. But let's do that right now because that's it for the news. So thank you very much. Bye-bye and all that sort of thing. And welcome back to Below the Fold. And we begin uh, Below the Fold with Mailbag. Now, don't forget, you can review us on iTunes or send us in an email to be in the draw for the letter of the week, um, which basically just means we just, if, if we read it out, just, um, you know, uh, give us your details and we'll send something nice. Uh, probably a dog bone bar blade from our good friends at Thirsty Merchants. You can also join our Facebook group. Just search Radio Brews News and use the password soapbox. And Mailbag is thanks to our very good friends at New Zealand Ale Trail. Head to www.nzaletrail.com or at NZ Ale Trail on all social media to find the best beer experiences in New Zealand. Don't forget to uh, like and subscribe, smash that like button um, and share it and all that sort of thing. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your, um, wherever you're listening to this through because it costs you nothing, helps other people discover the podcast and we, um, we do appreciate that. What are we going to start with? Uh, do you want to just belt straight into that, Matt, since we're like, kind of on a it's roll? It's actually the show to... notes. So, yeah, no, there was just um, something that, that, that came up. There was a Media Watch, um, you know, ABC Media Watch, love it, hate it, whatever, but they do raise some interesting issues about the media. And in, in, in a much longer thing about you know, former cricketer Michael Clark, probably better known for dating Lara Bingle, um, <laughs> I, I, I would argue. Um, that was his celebrity. Um much more than you know the, the, the way that his uh, cricketing form stacks up against <laughs> the Pontings and the Bradmans and the uh, um, Alan Borders of the world. But anyway, the broader media watch thing was how he sp- jumps up spruiking all sorts of you know watches and cars and uh, a oh, very is he like an influencer? Well, he's become an influencer. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he could influence the ball. Well, it's just uh, <laughs> once you stop playing, you've got to. Got to make some money. Yeah, no, 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 but, but you know, I appreciate this. But then, when it comes to your personal brand, you mm. know, like one of the things that he was uh, flogging was a cryptocurrency that oh, disappeared Christ as soon as um, ASIC uh, or <laughs> started asking questions. <laughs> so he doesn't seem to be particularly discriminating or discerning yeah. um, about what he is. But he was on flogging Bevmart. It's an online store um for alcohol and he's apparently an investor in it so it's, it's just like any of the um you know jimmy brings or anything like that no doubt he's oh, hoping okay. to, to, to build it well so it's a, a uber uber grog oh i'm not into that uber drinks rather than uber eats kind of thing. Uh, basically so like, which again is something that is targeted you know the, the home delivery and they deliver stuff and this is why it's relevant to your point pete about it's an alcoholic drink is that the Restaurant and Catering Association and craft brewers and restaurants had to fight really, really hard against the natural inclination of the government to deny them, egged on by a highly partisan hotels association that wants to protect its patch, even though that they have grown their businesses um, phenomenally over the last decade, let alone over the last COVID period in Queensland. And all, you know, all of the anti-alcohol groups are potentially deservedly looking at alcohol delivery. And it's, it's something that w- suits us all from time to time um, if it's done responsibly and appropriately. The Media Watch story in this case was he was on breakfast television. And, you know, you're not allowed to advertise alcohol on television at certain hours because children watching breakfast television, one of those things. Mm-hmm. Now, 
this wasn't apparently an ad. He he, he was on one of the morning TV shows, spruiking Beth. Yeah, what have you been up to? Yeah, well, you... no, but and it had absolutely yeah. nothing to do. Like it wasn't him working in a yeah, plug yeah. as part of a bigger story. It was him just, just him talking about Bevmart, yeah. talking about, you know, I'm a spirits drinker, things like that, and, and you know, in breakfast television. The, the interesting thing about this was that Media Watch does analyse. It, it, it's part of the deal you do. Like when Dan Aykroyd's in Australia and you want to talk about Ghostbusters or his latest movie, he forces the conversation about Crystal Head Vodka, which is his thing. You know, like it, 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 it's the deal that media do with, you know, when you've got something to flog, quite often that's when they want to talk at the, the you know, and the media always wants to get a celebrity on because they know it's it's, it's easy mm-hmm. thing. So there is a deal that you do with the devil to some extent, but this had absolutely nothing to do with anything else. And mm. apparently, it was the day that a, um, a a cricketer had refused to take the knee, and there was a very topical news story. They didn't even bring that in, um, <laughs> even though they talked about it elsewhere on the news. Mm. The, the the reason I'm going into all of this exposition is we have talked about you know like uh, around son strengths and some of the other things about the media releases that all you, you can have all of the alcohol codes in the world, but if people aren't going to adhere to them, um, and he's just talking about you know they're trying to make it a news item and it just wasn't when it's just so glaring and gratuitous that it's not even raised in terms of any alcohol crusaders and things like that. It was Media Watch talking about the media code, you know, the the um, broadcasting code, mm-hmm. and there was nothing in the broadcasting code to prohibit it. It's alcohol advertising code, and it was anyway. It was it was very very complicated, and so you've got somebody who's got no relationship with the alcohol industry other than he, he'll just he'll flog anything that he can make some money from. Oh, that's so tacky. So it isn't respectful of the industry, its constraints, um, its long-term oh, yeah. survival. Oh, yeah, he wouldn't have a clue, would he? He wouldn't have a clue. And then you've got media who also don't give a shit and you know, they, they are just as happy demonising industry, uh, de- de- sorry, demonising the alcohol industry, you know, talking about alcohol-fueled violence and things like that, but then they're doing that. This is the people who are ruining it for the rest of us. It's such a glaring loophole that's going to be closed. And that means that, you know, potentially, um, you know, when smoking was banned, I, I did some writing for, I think it was a coffee magazine that had basically been set up by a tobacco company because there was a loophole in the law that, and I was writing about beer, had nothing to do with smoking or anything like that, but they set up a coffee magazine specifically because s- some magazines were still allowed to take cigarette advertising and you know and it closes Weird. the loophole for everything but you know potentially you know websites news websites like us or beer and brewer or crafty or anything like that mm-hmm. might suddenly go well you're talking about alcohol um so you're advertising alcohol we're going to shut down all that or plain paper packaging or whatever because this is the sort of thing that get gets through so anyway it was just like an interesting one of those put a put a flag you know, on it because yeah. also it says it wasn't a paid promotion. My no, ass, it wasn't a paid well, promotion. But, but that's where celebrity. But sorry, and, and this, this, sorry, I, I, I don't think <laughs> we we should just call this. Claire says in one line what Matt spends half an hour trying to explain <laughs> um, segment um, because that that's what it was. It it gets around it because it wasn't paid promotion, so mm-hmm. it wasn't advertising, but it also wasn't a celebrity on talking about something mm-hmm. celebrity related and then yep. just going, oh, by the way, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, where are you, mate? Oh, I'm out the front man. of my new bottle <laughs> delivery um, store. It was purely him talking about the news being his thing. Yeah. 
as as an as an influencer, but that's where you know. So influencer marketing and all of those things mm-hmm. are just the the death of advertising because they're so easily uh, uh, the loophole is so glaring, but it also yeah. just ends up making all alcohol advertising look on the nose. Thank you, Claire. Thank no you worries. for <laughs> if, like Michael Clark, you want to you know more move more units, and at the end of the day, that's you know it's a free market economy, and that's that's the whole point is to sort of you know create value and something that people want, um, and the best way for them to, to I guess to find your product would be to call someone like Relling's Label Stickers and Packaging because they're able to not just supply labels for your cans or bottles, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons. They do can trays, tap decals, barcode, shrink sleeves, the whole thing, um, and. Before you ask, yes, the cans come to your door palletized and ready to fill. Nothing more to do. So give them a call on 1300 852 235 to discuss further. And if you've still got any data left on your phone and you want to make another call, uh, Scar Fabricating um, <laughs> builds reliable automated packaging line equipment that will fit in beautifully with Rowling's label stickers and packaging uh, cans. Uh, it's handcrafted to make life easier for brewers and their production team. So if you're a brewer looking for the best way to get your product out of the tap room and into the hands of your customer, Scar Fab has you covered with a wide range of depalletizers, custom conveyancing, date coating, rinsing, drying systems, and a whole lot more. Scarfab specialises in helping breweries of all sizes get their beer from keg to can. To find out more about how Scarfab can help you sell more beer, visit www.scarfabricating.com today. That's Scar, S-K-A, fabricating.com to get started today. And we love them because that's two weeks in a row. So we love Scar. Well, good on. We love a bit of Scar. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We do. <laughs> I'm colouring my Dunlop Volley's black and white checks just to fit in with the whole Scar thing. Yes. Oh, I love it. And <laughs> Matt, Matt did edge the mailbag across to the side um, to make room for me soapbox. But if we can just put your go elbow deep, because there's one there's one comment that we've got worth, worthy of reading out from Josh Boyle about um, Coca Cola and uh, Feral. Josh says, following the news of Feral, it's sad for the team, seeing as only a couple of weeks ago there was the announcement that the brew pub was to be closed, as we've said. Uh, now CCA are looking for a buyer. From my point of view, it looks like they are downsizing to more easily find a buyer or at least trying to make the business look like a sh- good short-term investment. I just hope they end up with a good owner and not some holding company. The reason I say this, I've been through a few buyouts and downsizing for sale or efficiency improvement as an employee engineer. That's interesting. The opposite of what we were saying about like, so why would well, you do it? that's what I was getting at. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Are they looking to offload it so that the now the, there's a bargain price for the for the business? That just seems but mad. Why? Yeah. I mean, you mow your lawn before an open house. Yeah. Maybe we just don't get it because we're not in that. Because <laughs> we're, we're not we're the not smart money. money. <laughs> well, we're not in Coca-Cola. <laughs> because they did announce too, they, they announced that they were closing down the original brew pub, not putting it up for sale. That, that, and that's that because I just yeah. saw it, yes. it just popped yes, up. Do you guys realise that the Lord Nelson has just gone up for sale? <gasps> I did no. not know that. Interesting. Yeah, after thirty-five continuous years. Well, it's the oldest. It. It's it's one of the debates about the oldest continuing functioning hotels. Oh, yeah. 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 Is it the is, is it, it the oldest license or the, the oldest? Yeah, or the the something of war. Well, there you uh, go. We'll have to get onto that after. It's uh, down the corner. Absolutely, off. good idea. It is with heavy hearts but also real hope for the future that we announced today that after 35-plus years as current custodians of this grand and historic old bloke, we are offering the Lord up to the next chapter of his long and colourful life. So there we go. So Blair and his partners have been at the helm for each of those 35 years and it's time to allow this icon to pass to new hands. Wow. That's a passing of a significant milestone. We'll have to... uh, Good spot there, Pete. Yeah. So um, now just one I'm going to quickly slide into the um, regretfully in a way, but then last week uh, we gave a, a comment about um, 
Pete's pop culture references being oh, yes. on point. And uh, we were joking about, you know, so uh, he, he got his granddad into... Um, I did. Getting <laughs> listeners You made me repeat it twice as well. <laughs> but just, there was some stuff. discussion about the um, demographic um, of, of, of that oh, particular no. one. Paul uh, Wilcox, uh, sorry, Hopefully he doesn't mind me mentioning his name. Because it it, it does carry a certain amount of shame there, Paul. Um, (laughs) But uh, he did say, I did the uh, prof's pop culture reference uh, on the ripe old age of 36. Um, Too young for that. I did respond and say, God, I'm not going to tell Pete that. Uh, He's the voice of a new generation. I'll never hear the end of it. And uh, he did come back and sort of say, yes, he doesn't need more of an ego boost. But I'll still throw Pete that little bone, that little... I have... have You've got fans, haven't Such you? Such a well-developed ego. I have the. I don't have a big head, but anyway, no. Thank you for that. That was a lovely comment. And it, <laughs> age is just a number. It's just. It's all about your experience and how you react to it. Can I just add another one to mailbag? We've of got course. time, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Adam Forbes on the Facebook group. I spotted this earlier, and I forgot. My bad. I forgot to put it in mailbag. He says, uh, first time I've had a response from Fair about this, but I'm still calling bullshit on it. Yes. You see that one? I follow heaps of beer and alcohol companies and don't get many targeted ads. So this is regarding, you know, we kind of absolutely shredded Some, it. Because they, they did another one where they yeah. um, said that Friday night sitting sitting there. That's it. And and the, the response you got from Fair was sort of saying yeah. that, so he sort of said, look, you know, if you follow alcohol ads, you'll get them. And fair yep. respondents have saying, no, these were sponsored ads. These were targeted. Uh, yeah, but who do you think they're targeted at? <laughs> what do you People think? People ta- that follow alcohol companies. <laughs> That's how it works. I, I, I'm pretty wow. sure that it, like, wow. if you don't follow professionally yep. to keep an eye and make professional complaints about the social media of alcohol con- mm-hmm. you know, companies, so you yep. follow a long list of them. If you follow Crocheting Weekly yep. and, um, you know, I don't drink alcohol websites – no one's going to spend money trying to convince you to drink alcohol. No, no one's that's going to the sort point of, in Facebook targeted the, ads. Anyway, it, there's it a lot of supposition on our, and we don't want to fall into the fair, you know, found anecdote research <laughs> ends um, mindset. So I was actually going to say that we that was a really interesting, you know, thank you mm. to our activist uh, readers, you know, the best Absolutely. Facebook group on the internet, um, to the best Facebook group Hell on yeah. the internet, most informed, knowledgeable and all that. But... I was thinking we might actually get a um, a I, I didn't get a chance this week, but get a social media <gasps> that's a targeting great expert idea. Um, yes. to come on and talk about you know how that works, how, that how, how it works, works and yeah. you know and, and what you do and if you're you're advertising because um, yep. obviously we don't do that, so, <laughs> we, we, <laughs> so we, we guess at it. We yeah, know enough of it we to have think an that idea. we're targeting. Actually, you know, if you're targeting something, you want there to be a target to aim at. Yeah. <sighs> You're trying to get people to switch from one brand to another, not come to the category. Yeah, exactly. It's it's absolute madness. Oh, that's a really good idea. I'll put that on my list. Now, I've got a quick one for you before we bail. So, 10 years of the IBA, Matt, Claire. Uh, Jump in the Wayback Machine. How different would it be if it had gone with craft and, and just stuck with craft and then maybe you can factor in two variables? So, one is that the big guys were allowed to stay and play mm. or without the bigs. But if they'd just gone stuck with craft, the craft brewers association or the craft beer industry association, rather than hitching their wagon to independence. 
Um, Would it be any different? And if so, how? Yeah, well, look, I... I, Interesting. Well, because the American Brewers Association is just the Brewers Association. Um, And they they include the big brewers. Same as New Zealand. Brewers Guild includes the still have volumetric restrictions, Um, don't they? Which keep getting um, changed each time the beer company... I I think the sticking point at the time was the lack of acknowledgement that small brewers felt the big brewers were the enemy and that that really slowed take-up and acceptance in the industry. Um, I, I, I think craft wouldn't have heard it then, but I think they may have had to revisit the idea of craft beer. Um, because, well, they, actually, maybe they didn't, because the, the definition they came out was, again, another thing that... Remember, Pete, it was born of a mindset... They, they didn't even define what it was. It was kind of like you need to look into the heart of the brewer to determine what craft beer is. Mm-hmm. And when so many yeah. brewers are doing the thing, you know, using the techniques now... so. Yeah, they were hamstrung in a way that they they didn't come up with something early enough in the movement for it to have actually captivated people and led that discussion and then they were too late into the craft beer thing that had moved on. But but, but you're talking a little bit, Matt, from the point of view of how it would have been seen as an industry body to beer drinkers rather than... No, no, to the industry itself. Brewers or... No, no, I I think think, um, brewers didn't want to join because they felt that they were welcoming the lion into the den. Or, or the, yeah. Yeah. Isn't yeah, that the, interesting the now because you house. see so many collaborations and things like that. Between, You'd expect lions to be in the den. Yeah, mm. between, and between what would be independent and are now major brewer-owned craft as a lounge room there, Pete. Sorry, Claire. Oh, sorry, what was that? <laughs> no, 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 sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and what I'm saying, those lines are getting completely blurred now anyway. And, and, and that's the thing. So I think they, they stymied themselves more by having the big brewer in at the time because you, you could have changed as, as, as it evolved, but there were too many brewers that held back because yeah. they saw it as being us against them. Mm-hmm. You know, funnily enough, the other thing that we keep seeing, the, the, the association has never really told its story very well as it's tried to work out exactly what it is. Um, one of the criticisms that comes up, Cooper's is the, the biggest independent brewery. Yeah, absolutely, yep. No doubt, but it was quite funny. There was all of this discussion when they were talking about, okay, how do we define craft beer? How do we define membership? All of these sorts of things. Big brewers in, big brewers out. And then when it was, um, you know, do we, what's the size in terms of literage? And I think it was 25 million litres from from memory. I think it's weird that they put a literage on it. Like surely if you're... Well, in those days... It's too much of a good thing. No, but <laughs> yeah. that's and that was always my discussion about what is craft because yeah. in America, Sierra Nevada makes more beer than Coopers, you know, six or seven times more beer than Coopers, but they're still craft. So why put an arbitrary? And it mm. it really came down to it's not the quality of the beer; it's the control you exercise in the marketplace. Mm. Um, you know, Stone and Wood still isn't twenty five percent of the. Um, oh, sorry, it isn't twenty five million liters. Under twenty, mm. I believe. Yeah. But they only exercise one million litres. So there was, during these early days, it was all fascinating to, you know, big brewers in or big brewers out, you know, um, Coopers in or out. And whilst the criticism seemed, you know, is why did you exclude Coopers, they they, they went to Coopers and said, 
you want to be in our club? And Cooper's have said no. We don't oh, want Cooper to. said Cooper no. Cooper said no. Oh, I didn't even um, realise. Well, oh, so much drama. Yeah, because they were already a member of the Brewers Association. Oh, they okay. wanted to be seen at the as bigger at the adults' table at Christmas, uh-huh. not at the kids' table. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, with the plastic knives and forks. I wonder what that could they have not been in both. They could have, but that was a discussion. Oh, okay. But when they said no, it made it a little bit easier in a sense for because <gasps> Cooper's was already. Room. 55, 60 million litres, yeah. um, I'd hazard a guess. So suddenly you've got like all of these brewers, none of whom were making a million litres probably at that time mm-hmm. in the Indies. You've got the bigger brewers who would have been, you know, uh, the, the non-independent brewers who were outside of that range. But then you had Coopers that was 50 mm. million litres. So that's where you had to make the... Um, the, yeah. the, the the cap, which was so irrelevant to the to the small brewers, that they were able to bring it down to an aspirate a more aspirational but still oh, okay. meaningful number. I, again, I, I I was part of some of the very early conversations, but after that meeting that was photographed, mm-hmm. that was when the um, David Cry and I, who had been a, a initial observers and contributors, mm-hmm. and were no longer part of it. So so that all took place, but. Things I've heard since were that that was the thing. They were able to make it an aspirational level so brewers could still grow. So you didn't have this situation in America where it used to be 1 million barrels and 2 million barrels and 3 million barrels and 6 million barrels as Mm. the brewers kept growing, which every time you change it, you're kind of diminishing what it is. So it allowed plenty of... You're kind of of admitting it. It's got nothing to do with it, yeah. Yeah, so so it's all fascinating. And and, Mm. and instantly, there is no right or wrong... Number for any of this, the question that needs to be asked, who do we want our membership to be and what do we want to achieve? Mm-hmm. Because that's where you, you're not, the, the, the debate very early on was not what is good beer and what is bad beer because the big brewers are making good beer. It was, well, we need their resources if we're going to have a professionally you know, resource thing. And if we're going to lobby government, we want... I, you I, know, lots of names on yeah. the, lots, lots of signatories of, on our, and I hate to say it, but they'll have the money. They'll have and the money to pay for these lobbying efforts to to, to get the data, and, mm-hmm. and we still don't get have good industry data. You know, yeah, like we we created it. that database just to, so there was a number of yeah. the number of, and that's breweries. just one element of all the data you could get. There's still been lots of resistance from people, you know, independent, uh, you know, CBIA slash IBA stalwarts who still are not keen to to share the numbers. To, you know, yeah, the, no, yeah. no, the data's not... Or, or, or they oh, fudge the numbers because if they say what they're they really want making, they have to pay a higher thing. And, and that was one of the early things. So <laughs> as a professional-based body, um, they quit, one of the things that they did early on, you know, in addition to launching the conference, and the, they, they did new categories. And I think the new categories was designed to make a smaller size that had a lower fees because, you know... And it, look, it's uh, something that we pub. get at Bruce News. Uh, like, yeah, nano brewery. Or, yeah, yeah. We don't want our, we don't want Bruce News to be a directory site where, you know, poor old Dapto Brewery that I always pick on. Hopefully, there isn't one because they're going to feel really <laughs> disliked. But you know, like some. One day they will be. And they're going. This is the best advertising. He's always oh, talking yeah. about Dapto Any Brewery. Publicity, but, you know, good like, publicity. Oh, finally. Um, <laughs> been waiting for you guys to. Shit's Creek Brewery, you know, that, that only sells to their own, um, you know, marketplace. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely no point. Bruise News, which is a national pub- publication that 
targets brewers writing about your small little thing on one hand because you're much better off investing the money in a chalkboard for the people who are actually your customers. And I actually had a great chat with um, Isaac from Kodo Designs a little bit about this. But I know from from a fact that then you say to that same brewery um, who you know reads every single email that we send out, they comment on the Facebooks, you go, hey, um, you obviously like what we do and see value in it. How about you take a paid subscription? Um, they go, oh, well, what do I get? Well, <laughs> you get to read it. You're already <laughs> getting it. You know, you're just meaning that we can keep doing it and not, you know, conf- not fill our thing with shit advertising or things that are relevant to you. Like, you know, incidentally, the instead of Shits Creek New South Wales, Shits Creek WA, their lager that you don't care about. Um, and, and, and that's the, the, the struggle that we've got. And that's, you know, incidentally, people always say, and, and you know, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm presuming, and when you sort of see the history of it, the first question, and when, when you hear what people sort of say, well, what has the IBA done for me lately? That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. It works by being an agency that is doing things for the industry. Mm-hmm. The second you start asking, what does it do for me? You yeah, actually perfect. kill what that association needs to be because they're so busy trying to pick up, you know, do breadcrumb stuff that they're not doing the major stuff that actually builds the industry. And, you know, they're, they're so distracted by making you happy that they're not doing the things mm-hmm. That they should be doing. Um, so join join them. You know, even if you don't agree with everything, um, yeah. have your voice heard internally, rather than throwing stones. Anyway, and 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 take a subscription to Bruce News. <laughs> don't ask what we can do for you. Look at what we're already exactly. doing. <laughs> because if nothing else, it does this. It protects you from lots of shit advertising. Yeah. Instead, you just get really good advertising, like our friends at Cryer Malt, Rowling's Label Stickers and Packaging and Scar Fabricating and New Zealand Ale Trail and Thirsty Merchants get each and every week. You can be part of that. And instantly, um, they're the people that are worth supporting because they, the way that they think about their advertising, they don't make, they don't make me say things like this. We say it because they are good people. We say it because we love it and they love that we and and, that, the and, they, it. and, they, and it becomes a joke. Um, you know <laughs> exactly. Anyway, because so take a, little bit like, yeah, a little bit like really well-made brewing equipment, it's yeah. seamless. <laughs> uh, so thanks very much. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, thank Claire. you, Kate. thank you Terrific. to everyone for listening. Uh, enjoy your week, whatever that may bring. We're getting into the warmer weather, so uh, drink good <laughs> beer. I don't know what happened there. I'm just going to see if I can capture it again. <laughs> no, but I said, just... thank you, Pete. No problem. Siri has obviously worked out there's some she sick dynamic between Pete. Pete, between you and I, Pete, that huh? when I thank you, she has to thank me on your behalf. <laughs> hey, Siri, can you please do an introduction to Bruce News? <laughs> I imagine if she did. Hmm. I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha, bitch. <laughs> Drink fresh. Drink local. Look after yourselves and each other and wash your damn hands. And we are out. Boom. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. 
We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer is a conversation.